Part of the move towards zero carbon 2050 involves an area of the markets to which little attention appears to have been given, and that is energy storage. As a society, we can produce as much as we want in terms of power from renewable sources, but a balanced energy supply strategy must ensure that when we produce a surplus from whatever source, we can store the power to use at a later date. Welcome to IG Trade in the Markets podcast. I'm Jeremy Naylor. We're talking today to Adam Forsyth from Longspur Research. Adam is head of Longspur Capital Markets and head of research at Longspur Capital. And he's also director and co-founder at Active Net Zero Index. So heavily involved in the sector. Adam, welcome. Thank you, Jeremy. Explain more about how critical battery storage is to the idea of decarbonisation. To decarbonize, we essentially are electrifying, and that means replacing fossil fuel generation such as coal-fired generation and gas-fired generation with uh, renewable energy, which is principally wind and solar. Uh, And of course, as most people are aware, the sun doesn't shine at night and the wind doesn't blow all the time. So these we term those as intermittent resources. And that means we're not getting all the power we want necessarily all the time. Now we can overbuild, so there's more of them. And as we geographically spread these generation assets, the problem gets less, but it doesn't take that problem away. And you get to um, a a stage where you get what, there's a lovely German word called Dunkelflut, which means the dark doldrums. And that's when there is no wind and no sun. And in wind wind particular, you can have periods lasting a day or more where there is no wind. And if we're to rely on these uh, systems for for giving us our energy, um, we have to have some way of dealing with that problem. And the most obvious way to deal with it is storage. Um, If you go back and actually think about how we used to create electricity, it was created with coal and gas and oil to an extent. Those are actually all forms of chemical energy storage. Uh, And we've done an analysis actually of how much chemical energy storage was out there in in certainly in the US market and the UK market. And in the UK market, you're talking something like 56 days worth of energy being stored in the stockpiles of coal, oil and gas. Um, And a lot of that will disappear. We don't necessarily need that amount of storage to to match with renewables, Um, but we will need some and it will be quite significant. To what degree do you think we as a society are underestimating the need for storage from from renewable source of energy? I think quite substantially. I mean, there's been a lot that's happened recently. We've seen a lot of progress with lithium-ion batteries, and and the and you know traditionally we've used pumped hydro, where you have a, a hydroelectric reservoir up up a mountain and a, another reservoir down the mountain. And when electricity is cheap, you can pump the water uphill, and when it's expensive, you can release that water to flow back through the system and generate electricity. And at the moment, actually, most of our storage, most of the storage in electricity systems around the world, is that type of storage but as i say as you as you replace gas and coal-fired generation uh, which has its built-in storage through that through that chemical energy um you start to need quite substantial amounts of of clean storage and clean storage would be batteries it would be uh, different battery chemistries, such as flow batteries it would be compressed air systems uh, pumped hydro and thermal systems when Putting together this this new new technology, what is it we're talking about here in terms of the format for storage? How difficult will it be, do you think, to engage with or establish a uniform 
format. I'll give you an example, actually. I'm, I'm just in the process personally of putting solar panels on my roof at home. And, and we're going through this process now of, of looking at how to engage with solar energy. And of course, now all of a sudden someone said, well, how about storage? Good idea. Hadn't thought of it before. Something worth thinking about. But that's on a very small scale. And that is just for one building. How do you organize storage across different uses, different inputs, different outputs, people's different requirements? Is there a standardized battery storage format do you think we should be working towards? No, no, I don't think there is. I think, you know, electricity systems are very complicated um, and they have different storage needs. You need some very fast reacting storage to deal with problems of, of immediate imbalance, which we, we, we run in the UK at a, an electric system which runs at 50 hertz, so it's the frequency of, of, of the alternating current. And if you move away from that, you can damage anything that's connected to the system. Uh, and because of that, you need to respond to changes very rapidly and fast reacting storage and even lithium ion batteries can, can, can do that very well. But then at the other end of the scale, as I say, if you've got long periods when, when the wind isn't blowing, at the moment that's fine because we've got gas generation which can fill the gap. It, it's expensive at the moment, but but we can fill the gap. And that's because we've we've only got about 40% renewable energy penetration in the UK. But as that grows, as that gets to 50, 60, 70%, uh, and there's less gas on the system, you do need longer longer duration storage. And eventually you'll probably look at using storage to cover seasonal differences between winter and summer. And that'll be a different type as well. Clean energy think tanks, the Rocky Mountain Institute um, has something like 17 different use cases for storage. So it's we always say it's not a format war because storage is being sold to to industrial buyers. It's a business to business proposition and the buyers themselves are sophisticated. They're looking to put the storage assets into grids or in some cases there'll be industrial users or commercial users who will put them into microgrids, which are behind what we call behind the meter. So say for a factory scale of deployment to balance balance power and they will be looking for the best overall solution and that can be made up of different technologies that fit together to give that that resultant outcome. Who is organizing what it is we're all doing? Because as I said, in my case, I'm doing it personally at my own personal yeah. level, but clearly there is a, a societal need to get this organized. And presumably someone has their eye on the sort of capacity we're talking about. One thing, we we have just published a, a market sizing estimate. Um, we published a, a thematic piece of research which is available to investors um, looking at the sizes, not just of the total need for storage, but how it splits by storage duration. So short duration storage, maybe up to four hours, um, midterm duration storage and, and storage for balancing solar, uh, and then very long, long duration storage for balancing wind and, and for balancing seasons. Um, and and a number of other people, there's a long duration energy storage council has got McKinsey, the consultants to look, do a similar exercise looking at total demand. But what you'll find is in, you know, most electricity systems like the UK are run by an organization like the National Grid, uh, a system operator. And the system operator, um, you know, their prime job is to keep the lights on. And uh, so at the moment in the UK, we have um, planning undertaken by the national grid, but it reaches into government as well. Uh, and in the UK, we're actually going through a consultation at the moment. So looking to how we can properly reward and create the right incentives to get uh, particularly long duration storage uh, onto the system almost ahead of the need for it, because when you're needing it and you're talking about things that can take, you know, a year or more to build, um, 
and if you need it to keep the lights on, you need to have it ready before that need arises. And so we are see, we are seeing governments responding to that, governments and grids and regulators, essentially. So will, as um, local groups, will we begin to see battery storage pop up at the end of our street in big boxes? Or what? how is this going to manifest itself? How, how will we yeah. interact with it? It'll probably be less at the end of your street, although it is interesting, there are solutions which the individual homeowner uh, might want to look at. So you may see small, small, very small scale storage going into at the domestic level. But I think most of what we're seeing, what we're already seeing, there's been a big growth in lithium ion batteries, um, the, the same types of batteries being used to power Teslas and electric vehicles. Um, those are being installed they've been unitized into standard shipping container type packages um, and you will see clusters of them usually on an industrial estate they will be usually somewhere near a good grid connection um, and and you won't really notice them they're, they're pretty silent to run there's some air conditioning makes a little bit of a noise but they're, they're pretty silent they're, they're not a not a not massive massive in scale um, the larger scale um, types of storage that, that already are exist and will get noticed if you happen to be in the right neighbourhood, but, the, but they're very specific neighbourhoods, are pumped hydro. Um, and, you know, if you look at De Norwig in North Wales or Kruiken in Scotland, uh, Kruiken itself is actually, I think, I think De Norwig as well, are actually tourist attractions. They, they run tours because in both cases, the actual generating hall is in a, a rock cavern within the mountains themselves. Uh, and it's actually quite exciting. It feels, feels almost like going on a James Bond film set. Um, and you can go and see these generating stations, but they're few and far between because they they, they need to be built where where the geology is right and where where the, or where the geography is right. So, but there are you know three new projects waiting in the wings, waiting for the UK government consultation to complete, so that they can be be more certain around the economics uh, before they go ahead. What about the ownership of these um, these these new networks of battery storage? Who who is going to be responsible for maintaining them, looking after them, paying for them, making sure they're up to capacity? Is it going to be private money, or do you see governments getting involved? I mainly see private money, and I, I say that because we are seeing we've seen this already. As I say, there's been a growth in the provision of short duration storage, typically around two hours with lithium ion batteries. And um, you've seen quite a number of development companies come forth and um, acquire sites, put together proposals, um, uh, purchase the batteries, have them have them built and installed. And then often the financing for those is coming from infrastructure funds, because once they're up and running, they should deliver quite an attractive yield for investors. They they make their money by essentially buying when power is cheap and selling it when it's expensive. But in addition to that, they will sell additional services to the national grid. And with those two revenue streams, they will produce an attractive return. So they become quite quite attractive for infrastructure investors. And I think that's going to apply to the other types of storage as well. We, we may see the involvement of some of the big utilities, um, and we may see some of the owners of existing renewable energy generation capacity wanting to balance off their, their existing capacity with, with storage, what, what tends to get referred to as co-located storage, where it's co-located with a solar farm or with a wind farm. Well, this takes us on now, as you have rightly said, to the potential investment case. How does Longspur engage uh, with this idea of uh, this this growth area of battery storage and, and clean energy generally? 
our research business is we we provide research. We are um, what's called issuer sponsored research. When we had the MIFID two regulatory change, which saw um, professional investors paying directly for research to brokers, it tended to result in a reduction in the amount of research being delivered, particularly on smaller companies, and it's often smaller tech companies that are delivering some of the newer solutions in storage. And so we put together a business proposition which attempted to provide the same quality of, of research that you would get from a, a traditional broker, but with, but with the companies paying. And what we're finding now is that companies are, are very happy to be paying up for the service. And we always say that you're clearly providing a there's an element of conflict when the company is paying for the research, but we always say if the investor is not reading it, it's not worth the company paying for it. And we are finding that we now have um, three companies directly involved in delivering uh, electricity storage, either technologies or solutions. And then we've got about three others which are peripherally involved in, in electricity storage. It's a big part of the clean energy industry. And I should say we, we own the right on clean energy. Uh, we're, we're entirely specialised in, 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 in that, that area, but it's quite a big area, of course. But, but as I say, storage is a big part of that. And I think that's going to be the case going forward. So at Longspur, you have you have an index, don't you? Yes, we we co-founded along with uh, Radnor Capital the Solactive Clean Energy Global Index, uh, which is our regulated benchmark index covering companies which themselves are enablers of the energy transition. So it's what's called an activity-focused index, um, and it's made up of uh, global companies. We've tried to get it the market size as small as we can because we think there's a lot of interesting smaller companies, but to be a usage compliant index, we do need to be mindful to liquidity. But we've got about 150 companies in the index, um, you know, with some of the big ones like Tesla up at the top, uh, and then down to some, some reasonable mid-cap companies. But all of them are, are part of the solutions to delivering a clean energy, a net zero outcome. Uh, some of them are are either wind turbine manufacturers, uh, but quite a lot of them are in this storage space one way or another. How do you see the sector developing? You talk there about some of the small cap companies, but you also, mm. as you just explained, got some really big um, big ones there as well. Do you, do you see uh, M&A being the theme over the next few years as these companies begin to coalesce, they begin to get some weight themselves within and and get uh, economies of scale? Or, or, yeah. or do, you, do you see more smaller ones coming? What, what's, the, what's the expected pattern of development in this area of investment? I, I think we, we may follow the oil industry where we, you move towards a farm out model where you get small innovative developers um uh, developing projects which then require capital to make to to actually take the project through to fruition and they will sell down a proportion of the project to a major such as a utility or even an infrastructure fund and i, I think that is quite a likely way to see, see the sector develop and then in terms of the technology developments i think we'll always see small interesting innovative companies come along um uh with new solutions and i expect that to continue you know, as long as people keep being innovative, which I hope they will continue to do. That, that of course, um, leads me, and I think, to the last area that I really want to touch on, and that is just where we go with the technology, because mm. it does appear to me, as as a as someone that wants to begin to integrate this sort of thing into my own home, uh, I feel like first generation. Do you think that is the case? Do you think that we have a lot more, uh, much more efficient technology still to establish, or, or do you see us at the moment as being at the peak of this, and this is where it's going to end up for the foreseeable future? 
I think we, we can do everything we need to do with proven technology today. Um, but I think we will see we'll see marginal improvements. And I think, you know, people particularly are concerned now around some of the supply issues for lithium ion because we'll need a lot of we'll need a lot of lithium. There is a lot of lithium. Uh, you'll need cobalt and manganese as well. And I think so for some solutions, we may see some newer battery chemistries emerging. Um, already we're seeing that in for transport batteries, we're seeing, seeing things like the silicon anode technology beginning to come to the fore. Um, I think in this area of, of large scale grid storage, I think we will see incremental improvements. Um, I think we'll see, you know, improving improving marginal efficiency uh, for some of these projects. Um, and yeah, there's a few things out there in the wings as well, which which could come along. But it's a huge market. I think there'll be a lot of opportunity for different solutions. And I think solutions will, will be targeted into very site specific applications. Well, Adam, it's a fascinating area. And thank you so much indeed for your time. I look forward to speaking to you again at some uh, further point down the road when we can talk more specifically about some of the companies in which you engage with and the index. But in the meantime, thank you so much indeed for your time. No, thank you very much. That was great. Adam Forsyth from Longspur Research.